Hi, welcome to It Rocks or It Sucks. My name is Carl Kuhn. You may know me from my various music projects, Museum Mouth, Gay Meat, and my slight involvement with the band Say Anything. Hi, my name is Becca Hi, and I cannot feel the inside of my mouth right now. <laughs> She's drooling everywhere. <laughs> and listeners, today we're joined by um, an iconic guest who happens to go by the name of Katie Chow. Katie Chow, how the hell are you? You know, it's a... Uh... Yeah, it has been, it has been a time. (laughs) What better time than now? Wow. Okay, so Katie Chow, let the listeners know um, how about your involvement in the music world. What do you do, Queen? Uh, Yeah, I'm a writer and photographer, and you might have seen my work in publications, including Pitchfork, Paste, and American Songwriter. Slay Mama. Katie, we met through Indie Rock. Um, You came to one of my band's first ever Brooklyn shows, and it was a very cute, very fun, very weird time, but that is normal when you're a rural North Carolina band playing in the big city. Uh, And it was cute. And then I just reminded Katie before we hopped on Zoom that... uh, in 2015, Katie was sitting in the passenger seat of our van when we hit Joyce Manor's van outside of Webster Hall in Brooklyn. So iconic stuff, really. Yeah, actually, the last time I was at Webster Hall was for the Vampire Weekend all day show where they gave out pizza. Okay, wait. Okay, so spoiler alert. This week we're (laughs) gathered on Zoom to talk about a little record called Vampire Weekend by the band Vampire Weekend. And now, Katie, please speak on this pizza party because I didn't know anything about this. Uh, Yeah, so they did uh, for the release of Father of the Bride. They did an all-day show at Webster Hall that started at like, I don't know, eight in the morning or something. What was it? All day, all day, because we were out by dinner time, but I think it was six to eight hours, and they did three uh, different sets, and I was there for two out of the three. Okay, couldn't do all three. That is a marathon. I mean, people did it. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I love them, but I also don't know if I could stand up for that long because that's what being <laughs> over 30 is like but yeah. Stop. Uh, okay okay becca would you do all three sets if you went to the pizza party hell no <laughs> <laughs> i do okay. not have the stamina or energy for that yeah i famously am bad at going to shows that's why i prefer to just play them but <laughs> Um, okay, so before we dive into the track listing, we typically kind of talk about uh, where we were in life when this record first came out. So Katie Chow, what did, where were you? What were you doing when Vampire Weekend by Vampire Weekend entered your world? Yeah, so I myself was a freshman in college and had someone pull up Hype Machine and be like, this is the preppiest band in the world. <laughs> they weren't wrong. I love that. Were you instantly hooked? Were you just like, okay, yes, 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 Jador, love, 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 give me more? I was into them, but then I didn't start getting really, really into them until Contra came out. Okay, literally, you're like, you were basically telling my tale with this band because I 
this was kind of I marked this record as the first time music press made me not want to listen to an album. There was just so much hype around this release that I was like, I'm not going to listen to this. And I'm if I do listen to it, I'm not going to like it. And I will say, given the time period, I was thinking about this earlier today, the band name was very off-putting to me because we were still in a post-Twilight world <laughs> where it was like, if it was a vampire thing, it was related to Twilight. And I was not, like, I thought Twilight was funny, but I was not living for, like, you know, the Twilight cinematic universe. Well, it was like pre-peak Twilight because didn't, like, Breaking Dawn come out in the summer of 2008. Well, famously, those movies took 40 years to all come out. So we're yeah. kind of actually still living in the Twilight legacy, well, in my opinion. Are you also going to cover the song they contributed to the soundtrack of the Twilight saga, New Moon? Vampire Weekend did? Yes, they did. I didn't even... Wait, oh, okay, hold on. Becca, let, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll pause the conversation right here for one second. I am Becca, a fly on the wall for this conversation because I... <laughs> I am just soaking it all in. I don't know any anything about anything. Well, Becca, where were you when this record came I out? I have no idea. Um, you don't know? I have no memory of, like, discovering this record. All I have are memories of, like, afterwards and getting really <laughs> into them. Um, uh, I want to say 2008... That is a year that is gone from my memory. I don't know what happened in 2008. I graduated high school. I remember this record coming out, obviously, when I graduated high school, as I just literally just said. But I remember like going away to college with it and being like, okay, like this feels like a literal collegiate sort of album. Like me entering, like, you know, um, what is it called? College. Like the higher levels of academia. College. With this record, it felt very fitting. <laughs> yes, me going to college. <laughs> yes, I love college by Asher Roth vibes. Yeah. Okay. So um, you want to talk about uh, the reviews a little bit? Um, <laughs> I really don't have that much because... Um, I don't like Pitchfork gave it an 8.8. Uh, Very high. I feel like Katie is more qualified to talk about reviews here, but I do want to shout out that Emily Lazar mastered this record, who is like a big icon if you're like a female in audio engineering, because she is like an amazing mastering engineer and has mastered like a bajillion major records you've heard. That's awesome. Wow, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Okay, Katie, anything you want to drop? Any any beautiful critical tea? Oh, yeah. Uh, I actually, I didn't really go back and look at a ton of the reviews besides the Hitchfork one. Uh, but I did also go back and look at the, uh, the controversial Spin 2008 cover profile for which uh, Malcolm Gladwell was interviewed. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he writes like a lot of like those books about first impressions um and like the ten thousand hours thing i don't know what i am so stupid what is all the fact <laughs> this is like a real journalism ep, okay, as in so that like we actually have a journalist here who is like <laughs> smart which is actually good because i feel like the people in this band are very smart. Yes, we're trying. If if by the 
if by God's <laughs> grace and balls, someone from the band listens to this record or listens to this episode of the pod, maybe they'll like at least think we did our research enough to get a good guest for this one. Okay, on ed- educate us. Yeah, please, sorry. Oh, well, on the flip side, I think I'm the first person here uh, who has not known anything about playing music since being third chair clarinet in 2002, so. Oh, yeah. Okay, wait, I also played clarinet in school band. Cute. Wow, jinkies. Okay, so um, basically, yeah, Pitchfork Review is very good. What is this? This Was it Spin, you said, that did the cover profile on them? Yeah, uh, so they had a cover of Spin before their album came out. Crazy. Which was a big deal at the time. And yeah, it goes in a lot on their image, which is where the Malcolm Gladwell thing comes in. So um, P.S., the 10,000 hours thing is like, this is the amount of time you have to have spent on something in order to be an expert at it, I think. Oh, okay. So it's like a gatekeepy thing. Yeah, or hypothetically, if it's like you have to practice for this long to be an expert um, or something. And then there's a country song about it. And then there is a Janae Aiko song about it. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Love to learn. (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, basically, this is all just basically to say that this band, before this record even came out, had so much blog hype so much media hype it felt like the entire world was rallied behind them before they released this how many songs long is this record it's not incredibly long these 11 songs which is just so to be that band it must feel um absolutely otherworldly um but okay do you guys want to dive into the track listing mm-hmm Shall we? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the record opens with a little song called Mansard Roof. Becca, how do we feel about Mansard Roof? Um, I love it. The first thing I jotted down was the Wii Menu keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is that tone. Uh... I absolutely love the drums on this track. They're so unique in terms of the rhythm pattern. I feel like, yeah, and it changes up so much. Um, and uh, the keyboardist, you know, Rostam, you just who produced the record? Yes, you just like know he's a music major, and like they're all clearly very good at their instruments. But like knowing that Rostam. And, like, listening to his parts specifically, it's made really clear that he knows what he's doing, despite all the shit I've talked about, like, knowing music theory. (laughs) (laughs) This is kind of, this band, specifically this release by this band, and Contra, I would say, too, more so even Contra, it's like, this is people that are very tech savvy, very skilled at what they do, doing it in a way that doesn't feel like they're kind of dunking on you. It's just like they're doing it in a way that you can tell they love. And I think that that's really cool. And that kind of separates like showmanship, like music craft from like good songwriting music craft. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I, okay. So hot take, I don't love, love this song. I think the song is like a little annoying and unfortunately Listening to this record, I have probably hadn't listened to this record very much since it first came out because I didn't, it, I don't like when music is like goofy. 
And I feel like some of this music is goofy. Am I? Is that a hot take? Yes. (laughs) Well, before I like dunk on something that is adored, Katie Chow, how do you feel about Mansard Roof? Uh, let's see. Well, this uh, prepping for this really just reminded me of how absolutely buck wild genius uh, annotations can be. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We love them on this pod. You know, yeah, I knew that's what I had to do to prepare for this. So, uh, yeah, I went through every genius annotation and uh, thought it was really interesting that this could possibly about be about the Falkland War, which I recently learned about from binging the crown. So cool, I guess. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> that was an entire sentence that I didn't understand one word in other than binging the crown, but I haven't watched the crown, so. <laughs> yeah, I cannot imagine you watching the crown. <laughs> yeah, no, I famously hate, I was just screaming about this last night, I hate shows that are just about, like, normal people doing normal things. Yeah. So, I can't watch the crown. I can't watch well, famously. <laughs> famously, when Queen's Gambit came out i was like eh, i'm not really interested because i don't like like period pieces like that and then someone was like it's not it's about chess <laughs> <laughs> there are certain words that evoke a feeling and to me i get that it feels very marie antoinette yeah uh, okay katie chow sorry to interrupt you Mansard roof. Good. what are we um what are we feeling i mean i think it's like good but i also think that a lot of albums are kind of set up in the way where the first song is not as good as the second song which is objectively more of a banger okay so you're talking syncing you're talking album syncing wow i love this This is the first time well i think we talked about a little bit with the hot hot heat record but syncing is like really something i'm obsessed with and typically yes you your opening song is sort of like a slow intro to like where you're going and then it like pops off at two and then four track four is always like the big one am i right is that is that theory does that stand i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i think it does (laughs) Uh, was there a video for this song? Does yes. Know? They're yeah. just okay. on a sailboat being preps. Uh, okay, wow. Really owning the imagery. Yeah, but they're also pretty, as in, like, looks. They're pretty. They're pretty, mm-hmm. period. Period. <laughs> uh, oh, Ezra Koenig does not age, and it's fucked up. He, like, lost a little baby fat on his face, but, like, other than that, he looks exactly the same. Yeah, that ain't right. I don't, like... When white people age gracefully, I'm like, okay, must be nice. Yeah. (laughs) Shout out to your genetics. (laughs) Yeah, my little genetic cesspool, but... um, Let's see. Does anyone have anything they want to say before we give a verdict on Mansard Roof? I, I, sim- I simply, there are other songs on this record I care more about, though I do think this is a good opening track. Yeah, I think it's just like a solid introduction of what they sound like. Beautiful. What is a Mansard Roof? It's a type of roof that is commonly seen in Cape Cod. Okay, I'm, I'm reading the genius annotation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wow. They're going to talk a lot about Cape Cod on this app, aren't we? But how uh, many of us have been to Cape Cod? Not me. Not I. 
Have you? Katie? Yeah, you're, you're uh, the only like, one. Oh, yeah, I, get, I, I sort of have, but uh, I just went on like a family vacation to Boston one time when I was 15 or 16. Okay, is okay. Yeah. Cape Cod is in Massachusetts. Yes, I'm literally. I'm such a bumpkin. I have no idea. It's in yes. Massachusetts, right? Yes. Okay. You saying Boston? I was like, okay, wait. I know what state that's in. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, I think Mansard Roof. <laughs> I think it's fine. Uh, that's my final verdict on this. I didn't get rocks. Okay, Katie Chow. Do we think Mansard Roof rocks or sucks? Uh, it's pretty good, but not great as compared to some of the other songs in this album. So you're going to say it's just fine. But leaning towards rocks. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's a, it's a just fine point rocks. I like yeah. that. Okay. Okay. Shador. Okay. Track two is a little song called Oxford comma. Do you hear vacuuming? No. Why does everyone in this house vacuum on Mondays? This is absurd. <laughs> um, Sorry. <laughs> We all need routines to mark the passing of time. <laughs> that is the the most piping hot tea I've ever heard on the pod. Oh wow. Okay, okay Becca, comma. how do you feel? Yeah, how do you feel about Oxford Comic? Come on, come on, come on. Uh I love the song. Um, I'm just gonna go ahead and disclose that I think this album is very good and when I texted Carl that he responded in a very mysterious way with just (laughs) kissy lips and I was like okay can't wait for you to shit on this record but like okay um uh what did I write down okay there's so much I learned about this song in terms of its origin and like it came from him from a Facebook group and uh, there's just these songs are full of references that only Ivy League college people I think would get and so when it comes to lyrical content all of it goes over my head but the instrumentation makes up for it like it's it's just so good they they add these little details that like aren't too noticeable but they come in so seamlessly and like fill out the sound um and they're just a master of tones like all the tones they choose are so good i completely agree like when i first listened to this record i wanted to hate it because obviously, again, this was when the hype had uh, uh, had. I there's a word that starts with a P for what it had done. It preceded the the hype had preceded this so much that I um, was very apprehensive and listening to it. I was like, I literally couldn't hate this if I wanted to because it is just so well done. Um, and the tones, absolutely. There's like a part in this song. I think it's like towards the end of. I think it maybe it is in the chorus where it, like it kind of opens up like it goes from like the closed hi hat like little like little jarring little sharp drum beat thing to the like open I love that it's so good when it opens up like that I'm like oh wow to like just to take like a little section and just like add different drum variations all within like one bigger section so smart and they continue to do that on all the records after this but I feel like the production on this record sounds like drums in a room and like hearing drums in a room do that much in such a little area it just is so it makes me want to play drums and that's exciting we'll have more to say about drums later on oh there are drum songs on this record Um, but also I'm not gonna talk because this vacuuming is like (laughs) okay 
<laughs> well then katie chow how do you feel about oxford comma okay yeah obviously the opening line is iconic <laughs> very truly <laughs> and uh i guess this is sort of how they introduce how they interact with like the perception of elitism amazing point yes 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 uh the get low reference that's really something <laughs> yes it is i also love how that like that reference continues to permeate through other records too where it's like you have literal like crazy like almost like hip-hop samples on the next record then even more on the third record and you've got like rappers and music videos on the second record it's just like this was like the thesis for that like little line in their discography, which is very fun. Well, Ezra also had a rap group in college. Okay, speak on that. What do you know about that? Oh yeah, so uh, they're called. They were called Lomoran. Okay. So uh, it's sort of so. Uh, it's like French. It's French for so man in French is om h o m m e. So it's a pun on home run. Okay, wow, Brainiac vibes. <laughs> yeah, uh, full disclosure, I have a French degree. Oh my God, why am I talking about this? Um, anyways. Katie Chow, talk about your French degree no. on the pod. Oh my God, Katie Chow is the most perfect guest for this app. It's literally, it's, it's, is it kismet when something like this works out just so beautifully? I'm trying to use big vocabulary because we're talking about Vampire Weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I think a lot of also the appeal was that uh, I was also that person who was just sort of vaguely into British and French stuff, which you can is pretty obvious from just everything, which also comes down to the uh, the yeah the video for this uh, is directed by Richard Iowati, a British comedian who you might know from the IT crowd. And but they, the band were fans of him from Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, which was a show that I believe might have come around the same time as the Mighty Boosh. Because also, yeah, this is also when uh, old Greg was a meme. Okay, I'm like literally, I'm like listening to all these words and I'm like, what do I know about this? Do I know anything about this? I'm like, old Greg, yes, I know about old Greg. <laughs> I don't. Uh, he uh, He's hosting, he's one of the hosts of Great British Bake Off now. No, he is not, but he absolutely should be. Is he not? Wait, who is that guy? Is that of... Noel Fielding yeah. was on the Mighty Boosh. Oh, I'm going to have and to edit ID this crowd. like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i'm literally like so stupid and this record and these people in general just live in a world and a tax bracket high above me okay um, speaking on the video i am convinced that the girl it is a great music video but in the very beginning there's a girl running along with a boom mic and it looks like it's anna conkle aka nah from pin 15 it looks exactly like her but like i there's like no way that you can i mean if you can find that on the internet that'd be awesome katie chow pushes up her glasses she is logged the fuck on i am no i just googled it and that is her what 
No way. I didn't even try Googling it because I was like, there's no way <laughs> that this is on the internet somewhere. Katie Chow, what, give us a little excerpt of what you're reading right now. Where did you okay, get this confirmation? It is uh, confirmed on the Verified Vampire Weekend Instagram. Did you know that this moment in the Oxford Comet video features Hamilton Morris of Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia and Anna Conkle of Pen15? Neither did we, but it is, in fact, true. Maybe we need an exhaustively researched oral history of the Oxcom vid. Congrats on your excellent TV shows. Anna Conkle. Y'all are. I now I feel like I'm just sitting and listening. Like I don't. This like all is wow, wow, wow. That's a beautiful discovery to be made on the pod. Jinkies. Okay, well I'm just gonna give my verdict. I think Oxford (laughs) Comma is fine. I don't think it rocks or sucks. It's just a song that I do enjoy listening to. Wow. (laughs) You know he considers this the first Vampire Weekend song. I didn't know that. He wrote it on piano, which I find really interesting because it's literally just like, dude, dude, like those two chords. Yeah. This song does have a really cute little guitar solo in it. That sounds gorgeous. But in general, this song just has like a Wes Anderson sort of vibe that I That's like. That's the video. That's the video. I'm, well, I'm just saying, in, in yes, in, vi- in the visual and in the sonics, it is very like Wes Anderson-esque, which is great, especially for the time. But like as an adult now, as a 30-year-old now, I'm like, okay, I don't live for the quirk. So unfortunately, the song is just fine in my opinion. Um, I think the song rocks and Carl is wrong. All right, Katie. Sorry, Chow. Katie, if you also think it's fine. Oh, I think it rocks. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I was... <laughs> The fake Wes Anderson thing makes me like it more. Uh, side note, yeah, Rostam did all of their visuals at the time uh, in the oh, layout and, wow. or for the, the album art layout, and he uses the same font, I believe, as okay. uh, all the Wes Anderson title in, Okay, so yeah, so it's like it's almost like an intentional, almost maybe like a leaning into of that aesthetic. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. That's like, I mean, especially at the time too, this was like a pre-Instagram world. So we like, if you were seeing things like that and you were like picking up visual cues from art and media like that, it wasn't so in your face all the time. So I feel like there's like a pass for it. Like, you know, it was like the aesthetic if you had your ear and eye to the ground of aesthetics. So in that regard, it's totally fine. Okay. Well, did the uh, did the album art for this album and Contra sort of predict Instagram? In a definitely in a way, <laughs> definitely. Well, I think a lot of things probably predicted Instagram and filtered um, analog looking ass photos. Because uh, I know, like, uh, before I cared about this band, I cared about that kind of shit on um, blogs on like Zanga and stuff. Who even fucking knows anymore? But okay, did you give your verdict on this song, Katie? You said it rocks. Yeah, it rocks. Okay, slay mama. Let's move on. Track three is a little song called A Punk. Becca, how do you feel about A-Punk? I learned how to play this on guitar at one point. <laughs> okay, fine. It's really easy. Um, all of my points have so many exclamation marks at the end of them, and I feel like that's very telling of the song. Like, <laughs> I'm like, the bass is so crazy, and the keyboard is so crazy now, and the chorus. It's so fun. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, if you don't like this song, there's something wrong with you. 
<laughs> and this is like the one song that sort of sparks a vague memory in terms of teenhood and it just takes me back to like first getting my license and driving around in my little beat up car and and the windows Your Nissan, right? My beat up the dent the Nissan Remember uh, the time you got bad gas? <laughs> In your Nissan. That wasn't me. In the, yes, it, yes, it was. You got bad gas from a gas station and the whole car was like shaking. I don't remember it. that at all. I remember driving to your dad's house and getting hit by a deer. <laughs> it happened to all my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, memories all surrounding that car in this song and like better times i think like summertime just like freedom i can drive except after 9 p.m uh <laughs> um yeah okay katie chow i'm gonna go last this round katie chow how do you feel about a punk so do you think that it really fits like super well into the opening scene of Step Brothers? I didn't know that, even though I've seen Step Brothers, but I did copy and paste a quote, or no, I didn't. I just made a note of um, Ezra said he's very thankful for that because he loves that movie, which I thought was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that movie. Katie Chow, other points <laughs> other than Step Brothers and uh, We Can't Cross uh, Over. The video was directed by Hammer and Tongs, who also did Blur's Coffee and TV video. Oh my god, one of my favorites of all time. Uh, I want I want Milky. I want a Milky tattoo so bad. I always have. Milky is the best. He's so cute. He's a perfect mascot for a band. I wish my band had a mascot as cute as Milky. But I don't think have I ever seen this vid? The oh yeah, really it's cool. like it has like that frame skip method that is uh famous in the countdown video for Beyonce. Yeah. They pull yeah, that yeah, shit yeah. first. Just kidding. Um I don't actually know that, but it's cute. It's a cute vid. Yeah. It has that like British looking saturation in terms of the colors. Wow, I never thought about that being super British. <laughs> it's British. When, like, the lighting is, like, not good in front of the person, but it's, like, the sat- and the saturation's yellow, to me, that is British. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> how do you feel about this? <laughs> me, like, just trying desperately to say something smart, but squandering all my chances. Um, Katie Chow, how do you feel about the song musically? Do you like this song? Yeah, I like it. Uh, it's also short. That's great. It knows what it needs to do. It does. It does. It definitely knows what I love. That is something I adore about this band is that they're not afraid of a short song. And I love short songs. Um, <laughs> do you think this song is like the thesis for this record? Do you think that this kind of is like, or do you think I feel like um, the last song? I feel like what was the last song? Uh, I don't understand the like word I- he's saying in the song. <laughs> Except for look outside the raincoats coming. I will say this song, this song, and um, cousins off of Contra. I feel like cousins is just like this song on Adderall or something. 
uh it just feels like it they're very of the same ilk and they uh kind of move the same though granted i think mm-hmm. the chorus of cousins is maybe a little more chaotic than the chorus the of videos this song. are kind of similar yeah they're they're yeah. directed by the same people oh, oh jinkies wow okay i think I personally, th- oh, I was going to say I'm going to go last and shit all over the song, but really, ultimately, the song is enjoyable and it's really fun. I don't, like, the lore behind this band is something I don't really necessarily always subscribe to or care too much about because other people in my life do, and it's like, okay, that can be your thing and I'll have my things. So I'm just going to speak loudly and from the heart about this band, and I think the song rocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it rocks. It Hell yeah. rocks. A punk Slay. rock. Okay, track four, Cape Cod Quasa Quasa. Katie Chow, go first. How do you feel about this song? Sorry, I'm uh, <laughs> pulling up the genius annotation. Yeah, get your notes out. Get your notes out. Uh, this, yeah, the song, I don't know if this is the central thesis of the album, but uh, it does recall a lot about how when you go to college and meet a lot of different people, you start thinking more about the ways that other people grow up and comparing yourself to other people in a totally different way than you do in your hometown. Incredibly, incredibly that. Which is something I, I love about this song. It's like this song, so many, there's so many little references to like different things, like, you know, like Louis Vuitton, uh, is it the United Colors of Benetton and stuff like that? And those are all like things that I didn't growing up, growing up in rural North Carolina. It's like, you know about that because of the TV, but then like when you do a little bit of traveling, say like maybe your senior year of high school, you absorb like these stores and like the concept of these brands and you're like, oh, okay, like, okay, the world is big. And then to get like a song like this, that's like, yeah, the world is big and we're all observing it. I'm like, okay, I feel like, um, I feel validated in like me observing these things. I'm not the only one learning about the world actively and writing little songs about it. And you were you were also a business casual teen too, right? I yes, we were we're of the same ilk where we were like, you know, indie wearing like weird dress shirts nonstop, wearing like <laughs> weird loafers nonstop, looking like literal fucking tiny tim extras yeah so it was like a pretty easy pivot when this album came out yeah i I was not far i remember later on in this record there's like a reference to a kefia and i was like oh yeah i owned one i went to denmark my senior year of high school like i'm cool but um becca how do you feel about cape cod kwasa kwasa okay uh sickest little guitar lick i love it i mean this song instantly i was like oh my god paul simon you can call me out references all over the place there's like the african drums the bass as always is so fun um chris bayo that's his name right yeah Yeah. um the song just puts a smile on my face and i love his voice in the chorus like i love it so much (laughs) it's like way up there and it's like a little screechy but it's like the perfect delivery i love it oh i love it um (laughs) she's foaming listeners she's she went from drooling to foaming i just i mean i love the song Uh, the video i looked up the video and for some reason on youtube the quality is so poor and the top (laughs) comment said 
my computer is messing up, or this was filmed on a TI-84 calculator. <laughs> <laughs> I love when a video is uploaded in, like, 104p. It's like, how did you even get the frame so low? But, but... I do love the video. He is a denim daddy in it, which <laughs> I love. He is looking so cute in this video and the whole concept is like oh my god he's it's like a werewolf transformation but he transforms into robert smith <laughs> oh man i was uh, I watch this video. yeah i was watching some more recent videos and did not realize that at glastonbury 2019 he wore a bright orange canadian tuxedo Oh, orange denim on orange denim. I'm not into that kind of denim, Daddy. I'm talking straight up denim. Blue denim. Blue Uh, denim. Blue jeans, white shirt. Walked into the room. You know, you made my eyes burn. What is that from? Lana Del Rey. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, my God. (laughs) uh, The pod just cuts out. I mean, you know, yesterday Lana saw that Grimes had the Rona and just had to give us everything (laughs) she's got. (laughs) She really, truly did. Okay, back on track, though. Um, I love this song. This song was an early fave of mine. Like, I think the first time I listened to this record, like, again, trying so hard to be like, I don't like this. I'm not going to like this. I get to the track four and I'm like, okay, wait, I think I'm sold. (sighs) Okay, I think the song absolutely slays ass and hole. The song rocks. I think the song fucks. Oh, oh! Is this the first time you said a song fucks? Maybe. There might be one other time, but I'm thinking someone this else is, is gonna have to tell me because <laughs> Lord knows I don't remember. Pod historians out there, let us know if this is the first or the second time Becca has said a song fucks. Katie Chow, how do you feel about this song? Oh, yeah, it absolutely rocks. And, yeah, this video was also directed by Richard Iowati. Imagine having money. Imagine (laughs) being signed to a label and having money. I, like, simply cannot. That Uh, is something I thought about, especially when violins start coming in. And I'm just like, dang, they had enough money to, like, hire a string section. And this is their first record. Get out Crazy. of here. I know like a lot of this, I, I'm under the impression a lot of the strings are, it's like a mix of like real strings and then like a lot of like MIDI, beautiful oh, I have, keyboard stuff. I have stuff to okay. say about that. Okay. Okay. J'adore, j'adore. Oh, okay. Uh, so we all. What? Yeah. Um, oh, have you uh, heard the cover that Peter of this that Peter Gabriel did with Hot Chip? No, but I read about it. I just read that that was a thing that he did. <laughs> Becca knows oh, that it exists. And I saw the clip where he's like, and it's really awkward. Or like, to sing your own name. Yes, <laughs> I of... remember that. <laughs> yes. That's like, it's so crazy that this came out like really before like, like you know, Twitter and Instagram was a thing. Because that, that just feels like there's, I feel like there's so much like viral content around this record that like nowadays would be like, I mean, obviously, they just put out a record, what, two years ago, and it had a lot of that kind of stuff. But just, like, so much of this is just, like, ripe for being retweeted. Okay. We all gave our, our verdicts on this song? Is, uh, we. 
Oui, oui. Yeah, that's how you sound <laughs> smart. You speak French. Uh, Katie Chow's like, I'm getting off the pod in five, four, three. Okay, track five is a little song called M79. Becca, how do you feel about M79? It's so Rococo. Um, oh my God, Rococo by Arcade Fire. Yeah, Rococo. Um, the drums actually sound great here. And this is where, okay, really interesting talking about the string section. Because it, the, okay, usually string samples, like MIDI string instruments, sound like poop. They sound like absolute garbage because they can't capture the motion of the bow, like the up and down, like you need to hear that to make it sound real. And so, like, when I first listened to it, I was like, oh, this sounds like a keyboard sample. But then I was like, but it can't be because you can hear all of the bow movements, like, going up and down. So I'm wondering if they just recorded the string section and made it like that on purpose. And also, it has to be real strings because it's playing so fast. And if you were to do that on a MIDI instrument, it, it would not sound like that. Unless there is one that exists out there, but like I have yet to know of one that is that good. Um, but anyways, moving on from that whole spiel. <laughs> um, Becca said the strings sound amazing, Rostam. Good job, Rostam. It's just really interesting. Um, and it's also really hard to make like not a big string section sound good on a recording oh my god yes oh, yes so yes. like props um it's really interesting that the song is like the on the offbeat it's like on the and part during the verses but in the chorus they change it up and then it becomes everything is on the downbeat as well as that bridge um yeah Get that in. is a cool thing. I like that a lot. I literally like listeners can't see, but it's like thinking about the song. I'm just like, I know mopping. you I'm are like, just mm, like jamming mm, out. Mm, <laughs> it's so fun. The song is like really, truly beautiful and cute. The song feels like it could be like if an instrumental version of the song could just be playing at all times of day anywhere. Um, let's yeah. see. Are there yeah. any yeah. lyrics? It's about riding the bus, now. and they bring they would bring it up a lot when they were as a counter about being elitist. Oh, so they're like, we're not elitist, we ride the bus. <laughs> <laughs> when they live oh. in like New York and it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> oh, have yeah, you seen, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, there is a video of inside Ezra's apartment at the time that I've seen like numerous times um, where they did like a fake Cribs Oh my god. Was it nice? Not really. I mean, it looks like it's, uh, because this is also like right when the album came out, too. So they didn't have so that undergrad vibes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Wow. I, my hot take on like a new, they're a New York band, right? Before I misspeak. Yes. Well, yeah. Okay. My hot take on like a New York City apartment is like the gap between like, 
shit, trash, and gorgeous is like they're right next to each other. So it's like you could be making good money and still have one of the ugliest apartments in New York I've ever seen. But then like once you cross that, once you get that strep that stepbrother's money, it's like you can have the most beautiful space that has been known to man. So I'm not surprised that he was still he was still pre that gap. Yeah. Listeners, I'm moving my hands. Like it looks uh, I would say it looked very regular. Would you say it looked like the apartment that Hillary Clinton stepped into and then all those memes spawned from? I don't remember this meme happening, so Oh, okay. Well, I, bet it, for it. I bet it looked like like uh a li- like Liz Lemon's apartment. Um <laughs> but like not quite, probably like less stuff. Um, I love that that we're talking about what Ezra's New York apartments are could 2008 look like. Uh, I'm dropping the link in the chat. (laughs) Oh my god, I don't think anyone's ever shared a a link in our chat. Uh, I sent you those Chris Martin things. Oh, that's right, that's right. (laughs) Okay. Okay, we have to turn the volume off. This is... The way this is filmed with the really bright flash on the camera is a little jarring. Oh my god. Okay, this just looks like every other New York apartment. You're incredibly right. This is pre that gap, as I perfectly expected it to be. <laughs> what are you giggling about? That like slow camera pan to that pillow on his couch. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, wow. Listeners, we'll have to... (laughs) That is a really weird camera pan. We'll have to link this when the ebb comes out. Let's give our verdict on this song. I think M79, I think it rocks. Yeah, it rocks. I'm still watching his Crips video. (laughs) Becca, Becca, get focus, focus, focus. I can't. Do you hear me say, oh no, when when they showed his kitchen sink? Oh. Yeah. Ugh. Um, the song rocks. Slay. Okay. Oh, Tracks. I <laughs> I have seen Chris Bayo's house in 2012. <laughs> okay, Katie, no. <laughs> Katie, we're not gonna go down the <laughs> Yes we are. It? Yes we are. Actually, hold on. Were you in it or were you was it a video? Please No, tell I me was in it. Because I interviewed him in 2012 and it was at his house, but Mostly we were sitting in his backyard, so I also saw a little bit of the kitchen. And also he okay. does not live there anymore. So, oh, yeah, yeah. why am I weighing in on this? Katie, I why not? You're perfect. Okay, okay. I love at, this. At the end of this Cribs video, the drummer comes in, and he's so cute. He's Listeners, Becca has famously always had a crush on this man. Uh, he, I feel like a lot of people have. He's, a cute... he's the hottest member of this band, in my opinion. Okay, he's the hottest. Like, I feel like everyone else is pretty because, I mean, Ezra is like, never had facial hair in his life. But, like, the drummer can grow a beard. He seems a little bro-y, though. That's my type, unfortunately. Well, he loves well, fish. He was. He loves... He loves what? fish? Yes. I also the... love fish. The jam band? Oh, not the food. If it's the food, I'm talking about the food. If you're talking about the band, I don't love the band. I love fish like the kind you eat. 
this, oh, this conversation is simultaneously the smartest and the stupidest conversation in the entire world. Oh, no, no, he loves the band fish. Okay, then we're not compatible. Could you fucking imagine that, like, you go on, like, a blind date with someone and you're just like, oh, my God, wait, do you love fish? I really, I, I mean... As a food, fish is, like, one of my faves. So, like, it is something I would ask. <laughs> I have tears in my eyes. This is so funny. I'm so okay. hot right now. Oh, my God. Okay, okay, okay. We are even, are we? We're actually on track six, which is a song called Campus. Uh, oh, have you? Katie Chow, how do you? Oh, I was going to say, have you heard the solo Rostam version of this? No. Mm-mm. So there's Rostam did a solo version of this that's all strings. Ooh. Yeah, because he wrote this song. This is the first one on the record that says music and lyrics by Rostam. Is there anything that um, you can recognize from this album that you feel like he still does in the way he currently produces? I guess. I think this song. I there are a couple things. Um, it's so funny you mentioned that because, like, obviously we're all working backwards now. Because for me, the last like Vampire Weekend cinematic universe release I cared about was Rostam's record. Really cared about. Obviously, I liked Father of the Bride. I listened to it. It's fun. But um, I think there are aspects of a song later that I I think he still does a lot of. It's coming up, but um, I don't know this song. I'm not. I'm. I want to click on this link, but I want to do it later. Um, so I want to talk about this version of the song, the album version. Katie Chow, how do you feel about this song musically? Yeah, I really like how the drums build up. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> um, I, I like. I was... <laughs> sorry, someone's calling me, so now I'm like distracted. I think the lyrics to this song are so um, good. <laughs> <laughs> this is famously the song I was referencing earlier about the kefia. Mm-hmm. Spill kefir on your kefia. Is that how you say that word? Kefir? Oh, uh, he says it. I say kefir because I'm a bumpkin, but I'm sure it's kefir. Yeah, I also say, I don't, I just don't say it. I don't say <laughs> what that is. <laughs> I didn't know I what it was until it. I moved to California. Really? Yeah. I thought kefir just kefir just makes you poop it might just do that too activia vibes okay um (laughs) i think the the chorus of the song is so how am i supposed to pretend i never want to see you again that's so cute that's such a cute little couplet yeah the drums sound like trash cans in the song but (laughs) it works i don't mind it yeah I agree. It, this song is another one that kind of bops along. It turn it's a it's definitely a finale song, I feel like, because it it gets so full and loud and then it just goes back to like bass and drums and like mm-hmm. becomes so soft and then it just ends. It's very good. Big agree. Bigly, bigly agree. And the like Oh, the instrument hits in the pre-chorus when it's like, then I see you, you're walking across the campus. Like, ah, it's so good. It is very, yeah, I like that a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, This song has just, 
It has an amazing vibe. <laughs> <laughs> I like the outro when we get like we start getting into like the trem guitar work. It it's very Wait, cute. what do you call it's that? Trem? Like tremolo? When you play the like maps. Yes, okay. tremolo. Yeah. I didn't know what that was called. And he cool. does it very well. Ezra He's does, a master at which it. Which blows my mind because every time I attempt it, it I don't What's the secret? Well, I was going to say, um, you know who else happens to be really good at it? Mm, is it you? It's <laughs> me. <laughs> I like famously like being like the drummer in my band for years and years, but like writing all the songs on guitar, I would get like so much flack being like, why do you know how to do that? How do you do that? And I'm just like, it's, I grew up loving the yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, of course I was going to learn. But anywho, that's neither here You're nor there. I'm not going to spill the secret. I'm not going to spill. I'm not gonna spill. I just I had a lot of practice. I heard it once and I was like, I want to do that, and then I did it. Cool. I know it's really, but I also can't play like a C chord, so it's neither here nor a there. A C chord? You lose. You, lose you them. can yeah, play I don't, a C chord. Well, if I can play a C that? chord, you can play a C chord. As I make a G chord, I know a G. I don't know what C is. C is, is C like... just two and two, open two two. No. What's C? C is. The one. Katie's the two, loving the three. this. <laughs> oh, okay. I can do that one. Yeah. I only know this because I'm learning a popular song right now. Well, it's not what that song? popular. Um, you're gonna have to find out. She's learning "Campus" by Vampire Weekend. <laughs> I'm sp- I'm spoiling it. Okay. Wow. I think "Campus" rocks. It rocks. Yeah, it rocks. Uh, yes. Okay. Slay. All right. We're moving on from campus to track seven, a song called Bryn. Um, who wants to go? Why can't? Oh I my god! Like I am. I didn't. I didn't. I literally, listeners. I just found out what the opening line of this song is, and it is fucking wild. <laughs> what did you think? What it in was? the world? I don't know. I don't think I ever just knew. This is a song that I don't, that I can't think of the verses in my life. I obviously know the chorus. The chorus is what sticks out to me. But oh. ion displacement won't work in the basement. Well, Jesus Christ. Okay. Okay. Jogging my memory. I mean, look at just this genius annotation. For the ion displacement? Oh, yeah. The song is about Bryn Lander, a fashion designer who is a personal friend of Ezra's. <laughs> I shout, literally shout out to the chemist or physicist or biologist who's annotating on genius, telling, teaching me about sparks and chemistry and secret. Wow, really educating the people. It's like how I was saying I learn everything from podcasts. You can learn everything from genius annotations. Imagine meeting the child that learned everything they know from genius. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) All right. Oh, Bryn, you see through the dark, right past the fireflies, the fireflies that sleep in my heart. I like can't even talk. We're approaching that point of the pod where my brain is mush. Yeah, what was Um, the deal with fireflies back in the day? Dude, they were in the zeitgeist. Big Fireflies was paying indie rock to write about them. It's a very strange phenomenon. Eyes like a seagull. No Kansas-born oh my god, ever that come line. close to that free. That's like... Girl. Oh my god. 
If someone told me I had eyes like a seagull, I'd be like, we don't talk anymore. <laughs> it's over. No Kansas-born beetle. That's an insult. Like, you a Kansas-born beetle. You, I mean, yeah, that's insulting to just, people from the just Midwest. Just say what you, yeah, I'm going to literally just say what you want to say, Ezra. Call them a redneck. Call them a bumpkin. Yeah. Come on. This song, this is actually funny to me because uh, starting with this song, we stand, we enter a little lull in this record where there's two songs back to back that I don't necessarily love. I feel like if this record had a slump, it's this song and the next song. Mm -hmm. So us all kind of sitting here almost in silence, I understand it. Um, I could, I feel like this song is cool, but could use some editing. Oh, wow. Okay, like it has a cool bass line you could do without the backing hand drums that are going on um and i too think this song is kind of a slump on this record and i think it's fine okay perfect this is the this song is the i like that melody is fun yeah. but ultimately i think the song is just fine mm-hmm. katie chow how you feel yeah i would agree um if there is a slump it's probably well actually yeah it's probably if there was a slump it would be this one and maybe i stand corrected but I do think it's interesting that this sort of predicts Contra being the California album after this being the New York album. Okay, okay, I like this take. I haven't really thought about the geography of this band, but that's a very interesting point. Yeah, wow, they're setting the scene for where they're headed with this little ditty. Okay, do you think the song rocks or sucks, or is it fine, Katie? It's fine. Okay, beautiful. Okay, track eight is a song called One, and in parentheses, Blake's Got a New Face. Becca, how do you feel about Blake's anthem on this record? The drums are so cute. <laughs> oh my god, that audio! <laughs> that was so, you're like, the drums are so cute. <laughs> wow. Uh, all right, Becca, come on, spill. How are you feeling about this track other than the cute drums? Um... I have no idea what the song is about. Uh, it's it's a it's a really interesting synth tone choice in comparison to the other instrumentals going on in the song. I like that. Yeah, it like makes me excited to hear like something that's so obviously like digital. <laughs> yeah, and like everything else is like very raw and acoustic like you have the hand drums and like no special effects going on but then that keyboard is like yeah so okay so i'm in like the in the universe of this band was this this record was pre the discovery album that rostam made is that true yeah i think so i trust i'm looking i'm slowly looking at you katie because i this feels Uh, like i I was not so i yeah because i listened to this album when it came out and then I kind of fell off a little bit and I was vaguely aware of the discovery album happening, but I didn't get super into it until after Contra just because I was learning more about them again. And then also I had one friend who would put it on at every party. We all had that one friend. Yes, and that yes, friend yes, yes, yes. was me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I only bring up the discovery album because it feels like 
that like this the synth tone that we're talking about in the song the digital sort of synth tone that permeates onto the discovery record a lot more oh i thought you were gonna say the next vampire weekend record Oh, Please but yes, this. that as I'm well. I'm talking with food in my mouth. No. <laughs> She's, we're about to lose all of our listeners. Becca's chewing <laughs> on the pod. No. Um, <laughs> but I think, uh, I think that that is a really cool thing. And I think that, to me, this song, again, I mentioned that this song and track seven, Bryn, before it are kind of like a lull on the record. But I do think there's a lot of important stuff going on, specifically in this song, that paves the way for where the band is headed. So... That is a really amazing observation, Katie, from the last track. But Genius says that uh, it's a reference to a Metallica song, which I did not also listen to. What? What Metallica song? One. One by Metallica. Am I like stupid? Where are you? What'd you click on to get this? Um. Oh, in the if you oh. click on the Genius annotation for the chorus. I'm just reading. Oh no, it's on the last. <laughs> okay, the last annotation. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it says it's a reference to Metallica. Absolute Horror is a reference to the song One by Metallica. The song is called One. Blake's Got a New Face is an open homage to Metallica. What in the absolute hell and shit and fuck? <laughs> this band thinks, this band literally, they think they're so smart. And you know what? They are. And that's fine. You know, I feel like this is a troll it's like that Nicki Minaj genius annotation about about the dot org no about the ones and twos <laughs> about teaching kids how to pee and poop. because because right before this it says Blake who has evidently been on an effort to improve his life has failed dramatically leaving him to endure the ultimate prep school horror wearing unfashionable sweatshirts and then there's a horrible stock photo of a man in a Christmas sweater. Yeah. Just take our words for it. You don't need to see it. It's <laughs> wretched, but um, sorry to that man. But I think that this song, this song is cool. And I think that therefore it is fine. It is not, it's not sucks <laughs> and it's not rocks. It's just <laughs> fine. Becca? Um, I think it rocks. Oh, yeah, I think it rocks. It's fun when uh, they do it live and they do a call and response with the chorus. Oh, wow. You've been a part of that? Yeah. You out in the crowd getting your absolute live stream about Mr. Blake. I love that imagery. Okay, sickening. All right, track nine, I Stand Corrected. Now, before we dive into this song, I just want to say, Katie Chow, one track ago you mentioned two tracks ago you mentioned this song being a lull on the record and i'm just ready to tell you that if you want to meet me out back i'm ready to throw blows this is my favorite song on this record i think this song absolutely fucks it's so ungodly good and you want to know why i think it's so good because it doesn't try to do anything weird with some afro weird cultural you know worldly music thing it's just a perfect rock song executed by smart people it's so fucking Good! Carl only likes rock songs. I literally, unfortunately do. After Lily called me out on this pod, it's like, it's, un- I the song either needs to be so depressing that it's barely music or it needs to be a rock song. Those are the only two genres of music I like. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Becca, how do you feel about <laughs> I Stand Corrected by Vampire Weekend? Um, I wrote down Rostam Just Knows. 
<laughs> he does just know. Yeah, I mean, it's a good song. It's like they're, it's not even dark, but like their least happy sounding song. God, that sentence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's like reverse tones layering that I like a lot. Um, and yeah, you. It, this is the one song where it's like, okay, there's no extra influence here in terms of, you know, other uh, countries' music. Yes, that world music vibe. Yeah. I love this song. This song, I was listening to this song earlier, and I'm, I'm, it, I'm in this renaissance of my life now where when someone describes a song as like sounding like strokesy, like, you know, it's influenced by the strokes, I always like it's like fight or flight for me where I'm like, do I agree or do I not agree? And I was listening to the song and I was like, you know what? I think this song is kind of strokesy. Yeah. That came up a bunch in the pitchwork review. Did it? Yes. The 8.8 okay. best new music by Nitsu Ababa wrote a lot of these songs work more like those on the strokes debut. Is this it? If you scraped, if you scraped off, all the scuzzy rock and roll signifiers, leaving behind nothing but clean cut pop and preppy new wave tucked in shirts and English lit courses. Tivana, this song specifically, for sure, for sure, for sure. I feel like I could hear like so many the bands covering the song in their style and it just working. It's just like uh, the blueprint for a good mid-tempo song. It's so good. I remember being young. I remember being 18 and getting fuck wasted and screaming along to this song. <laughs> Maybe it's just weird to me that this is like the only song in the album that doesn't have any interesting cultural or kind of very specific references to things. Yeah, it's literally it's a snapshot of like a moment in time and one thought. It's no there's no like weird observational lyrics like there's not no setting the scene or anything like that. It's just like introspective like fuck what's going on. Okay, shit, I was wrong. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And I like that about this song. I will say I'm you know, I'm on my favorite website genius.com and they show you how many people have clicked on these songs to read the lyrics. And this one is criminally criminally lower than all the other songs and i want to say it's just because you can perfectly understand all the lyrics when you're listening to it but i think (laughs) ultimately (laughs) what's going on here is people don't like this song and i think people are stupid Uh, the song is a sleigh the song actually i'm gonna say it the song fucks Um, did i already say that i'm saying it again (laughs) i mean that's quite the assumption uh, about the people yeah but that's all i do is assume i mean it's a good song i think it rocks okay katie chow i think i would yeah i feel like the ones i'm slightly more lackluster on are i would still put it as fine leaning towards rocks uh the other note that i put down for this one was that I like how distinctive the drums are recorded on this whole album. They're like rock drums on this song. They sound great. They sound like they they sound like um 
what is the opening song on that stills album on logic will break your heart the is that lola stars and stripes that song has amazing drum tone and the drums on this song sound like those drums and anytime i hear drums that sound like those drums i like literally get hard so we love that okay (laughs) (laughs) okay do you guys want to move on you want to go to track 10 let's do it okay track 10 is a a jam and a half and it's named walcott this song taught me more about northeastern geography than (laughs) most school courses (laughs) um the first time we ever toured up that way i was just like reading science being like oh my god this is like we're in that vampire weekend song oh my god this is like we're in that vampire weekend song Mm -hmm. okay katie chow how you feel about mr walcott uh yeah so it's uh this is so this is the song describes the plot of the short film titled vampire weekend that ezra made and ultimately named the band after and i did not know this yeah sorry to interrupt oh, so that's, that's just- <laughs> how we end up on this journey out of cape cod tonight <laughs> and uh is this like the wiki for the short film? Is the song the wiki? Yeah, it is. <laughs> How weird. That, it's kind of hilarious that it is even a song, but also I can't imagine them not doing it. It's very it's very Vampire Weekend Nian of them to do this. Oh my god, wait, what is this? The name evokes Derek Walcott, the post-colonial poet who writes homage to... Homeric epics about exile and diaspora. right. Oh my god, I remember reading that yesterday and being like, "All of this shit, I'm too dumb for this." Literally, me too. I didn't fucking. I didn't do well enough on my SATs to be able to look at these genius annotations. I mean, I can talk about the music, and I think it's really perfect how explosive it starts out. And then it just goes into like, well, cut, don't you know that it's insane? And it's like very cute. So, yeah. The drums sound awful here again, but I don't mind. Wait, 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 wait. I was about to say that this song, even more than the last song, has the stills drums that I love how they sound. What? They sound so good. <laughs> Hold on a second. I like when the drums sound like they were recorded at the DIY show. I mean, they just did like, talk about recording in like a barn, in a basement, in a barn, and they were like, "In the basement, makes the drums sound really cool and echoey." Yeah, I love the way the drums. I famously was just at the beginning of this app talking about how the drums sound the best on this record. Yeah, listeners, Becca has her critical ears on. <laughs> she looks mad. They sound like museum mouth drums. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) And you know what? I take it as a compliment. They really do. I love when drums sound like that. Which, like I said, they sound a certain way, but I don't mind. Because you have had years of exposure to drums sounding like that and slightly (laughs) worse by listening to museum mouth. (laughs) Okay, wow. Uh, um, someone else speak a little bit about this song. Katie Chow, what other points do you want to make about this song? Oh, yeah. Uh, should we talk a little bit more about, like, their sense of humor? 
Sure. Yeah. Say whatever you want. Because I feel like that's kind of, yeah, 2008 maybe sort of helped uh, bring in that kind of we're not joking, just joking era where they're earnest enough where obviously they're, they care a lot about being a good band, but also Walcott is objectively funny. Yes. Yes, I agree. There's a lot of generalizations about the people that live in the Northeast. Like, literally the line, um, fuck the bears out in Provincetown, where it's like, okay, that is a bold statement, but um, I don't disagree, and I love that we're even talking about this. Like, it's there is a sense of humor here where it's, like, very... It's very self-aware. Yeah, I love the uh, the cool. lobster's claws as sharp as knives. Unbelievable. Like, literally, uh, like, elect Ezra Koning for a board of tourism for whatever part of the Northeast he's singing about with this. Lobster sales go through the roof with this song. <laughs> <laughs> that laugh. <laughs> you know the joke sucks when Becca goes... Um, Katie Chow, have you, um, oh, there's Jello. have you, have you, what, Jello? Cello. Oh, I love the yes. cello and there's cello on this song. <laughs> <laughs> Katie, do you know much about this geography area? Do you know about Mystic Seaport? No. And Hyannis Port? Okay, okay. Uh, I was, I was assuming if one person in the chat did, it might be you. No, I mean, yeah, I haven't really been there to, I haven't been to Massachusetts since high school. Okay. And then I think, let's see. Yeah, the last time I was in Connecticut was like several years ago when I went to a birthday party for a cat. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Katie, you are so funny. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay. Oh, Connecticut. Connecticut, just Connecticut things. Just Connecticut. All right. Does anyone have anything they want to say about the song before we move on? Oh yeah, they. Oh, end- oh, try to- go ahead. No, go ahead. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, they end every show with this song. Do you think that's mm. a good choice? Every show, still. I want to say still. I feel like that makes sense. Yeah, if we're talking about a fucking banger to go out on, this is the one. But I also did say what other song is like a good finale. Campus. Campus. Yeah. They close the set with Campus and they end the encore Mm. with Walcott. Okay, actually, looking at Setlist FM, they have stopped ending every show with Walcott. Okay. Well, actually, as of January 9th, 2020, they did. But the ones after that did not have it. I feel like when they were more of like a, a dare I say, DIY band, because obviously they had money from the jump, more or less, it seems. Um, Or at least since we all knew of them, but... Uh, I think that this song, like especially touring for your first two full lengths, I feel like this song being your closing song makes complete sense. It, it's just so anthemic. This song rocks. Yeah, it rocks. Yeah, it rocks. 
<laughs> oh yes okay that brings us to the last song which happens to be called track 11 the kids don't stand a chance now fun fact about this song listening to the record for the pod i completely forgot this song was even on this album because walcott is actually like a natural ending to it i think that that is the concept at play here where that song just feels uh, in becca's words it feels so final that i'm like oh there's more and I guess this is sort of one of those instances where the closing track is serving lyrics more than it's serving like anthem. This feels like the the conclusion of their paper. Like, you know, if we're talking about like Cape Cod, Quasa Quasa being like the thesis, this feels like the conclusion. Yeah, so so you would say that the, uh, the uh, Cape Cod is the central tension here or whatever you figured out in the Waves episode. Yeah, the central, what was it, conflict? Mm-hmm. I think it was the central conflict in the Waves app, yes. I I think either Cape Cod or I think Oxford Comma, one of those two songs is like the thesis here. Um, and I think that this is the conclusion. Yes, that's my, my high school English class take on this record. Does anyone have anything they want to say about this song that's incredibly passionate? No. <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> Oh god. Um what? Perhaps noteworthy is the frequent use of words beginning with the letter P throughout the song. Girl, what? Shut up. Uh, I just read that on Genius and it literally just right says now. this is left for the reader <laughs> to interpret. <laughs> This is a prime example of when a band just gets so popular that, like, the genius annotations stop making sense. Where it's just like, I want to have something written up there. I want to get, I want to say my piece on this. Which piece starts with the letter P, so I understand. It's just as reflecting that he's, like, a high school English teacher. He's like, if y'all, today's lesson's on alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, are they, they even- just bopped along? Are there even really that many words that start with P? It's only the last chorus. It's like the pinstripe men of mourning, the partners in the dance, the paper shot to pieces. Uh, that last chorus is the really... don't stand a chance. That's when I think of this song. I read the title in that melody. Yeah. That song is fun. More Rocco. Coco. I was going to say very Rocco. I feel like this is their simplest song. You think so? Mm-hmm. You feel this way? Yes. I don't think. Yes. Yes. She screams. I don't think this is. I think that this song has too much bounce and it's not straightforward enough. In terms of probably the ultimate number of tracks on this song, this might be the simplest. Um, Like, I feel like I could, like, I would be able to write a song like this. I would. Okay. But everything else, I'm like, this is, like, too creative for me. Um, Katie Chow, do you think that if you made music, you could write a song like this? Oh, if I if I made music beyond when I took wait, yeah, seventh grade clarinet and two guitar lessons in high school. Third chair, baby, third chair. You could play this main melody on clarinet, and it would sound. Great. I bet it would sound. I was literally gonna say it can sound gorgeous. Well, actually, uh, we're all yeah, maybe uh. 
Yeah, maybe Ezra originally wrote this on saxophone. <laughs> he does play yes, saxophone. Yes, he plays saxophone, and he plays saxophone on at least one Chromeo song. Oh my god, Chromeo. I haven't heard that name in years. <laughs> there is also a Chromeo remix of this song. Wow. That's God, indie rock. I mean, that's very much like Carl, where they just can play every instrument they pick up, which is annoying. Um, just because I don't have that talent. Like read instruments? N- nope. I can't. I don't know how. Like, if I could play saxophone, I would. (laughs) I think you could do it. You could do anything. Um, And unlike, I mean, if Ezra and I both have the same beautiful, amazing, God-given talent, at least he's not bogged down by the burden of life like me, where making music just makes me want to simply die now. He is uh, married to Rashida, or he's not married, but he has a child with Rashida Jones. Mm-hmm. Beautiful couple. They're so private. Imagine? It bugs me because I just want to like see their beautiful family. Imagine like literally having every insane traumatic life event that happens to you happen to you with a partner. <laughs> that happened <laughs> to now- me, Carl. No joke. Last night when I almost died in my shower, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I thought I was gonna pass out or barf in my shower after hitting my knee so hard i had a liz lemon moment where i was like i don't want to die alone (laughs) (laughs) Wow! Uh, because like literally if if i did pass out like no one would know i'd wake up like five minutes later and be like oh that was at least you have roommates though yeah but like i have my own bathroom so (laughs) i yeah no one would know um i think that the second verse you criticize the practice by murdering their plants don't you dare that is the meanest thing you can do to someone their plants i thought you said plans i mean that would also suck but the plants i feel have more sympathy for the plants I don't really know what else. I think I'm just going to go ahead and give my verdict on this song. And I think this song is fine. This record contains no sucks. Correct. Yeah. I agree. (laughs) None of these songs suck. I did. The note I made was that pinstriped men of mourning probably means bankers that go to work early to cover the European and Asian markets. And did they predict the stock stock market crash? see all over my just nope i don't this is why katie works in music journalism and why becca and i run a podcast katie where did you grow up uh oh wait you're in oakland right so you know where this is palo alto oh shit but full disclosure my family has been there since the 30s uh, I yeah. am not related to people who are trying to make everyone snort the horse DNA. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like California, if you grew up in California or New York, you got a way better education than me or Carl. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I went to, yeah, I went to Apollo High School, so that's, uh, pretty safe to say because like 
that was where the smart people like ran out of high school classes to take and had to audit classes at Stanford. Of course. Katie Chow, how does it feel to be? I was not one nerd? of those smart people. <laughs> I was absolutely not one of those people. Uh, She's screaming on the pod. <laughs> but the standard that. of what um, was smart was very different. I love that you're one of my smartest friends. I feel lucky to have you. Oh wow. Okay, I I, get, I gave my verdict. This song this song rocks. Mm-hmm. It rocks. Becca said it rocks. Katie Chow, yeah, what do you think? It rocks. Okay, Slay. I can't remember if we did that or not. So before we move on to our final segment, does anyone have anything else they want to say about this band or this record specifically? I love this record. You famously texted me saying that this was a perfect album. It it really is, especially for the time. I think this is like going back and listening to records from my teenhood. I feel like a lot of them don't hold up in terms of me mm-hmm. being like, oh, this is really fucking good all the way through. And this album does that. I agree. I think this, song, this record has aged really well. Katie, what you think? Yeah, Contra is still my favorite, but this absolutely holds up. And as a person from California, I have always really liked the way it sort of skewers the ideas of New England and kind of makes fun of them a little. And yeah. Mm -hmm. It does a really good job of, I think, um, if you're unfamiliar with that area and that like way of life, I think that it does a really good way of summarizing. It's like essentially giving you spark notes on like what it's like up there in a way that's like not necessarily so mean. That's it's not like talking. It's like I gotta get out of my hometown. It's very just like this is where we're from. This is what it's like. It's literally like the Real Housewives. Like it's comical. <laughs> like eat it up. <laughs> um, I think. I agree. I think Contra is my favorite and their best. And it's uh, cool. It's really cool to me that they beat the sophomore slump because I know that famously when Pitchfork builds up your debut this much, it's like uh, it's I wouldn't even say it's a 50 50 chance. It's good or bad. I'd say it's like a 75 percent chance. It'll be bad and 25 percent chance it'll be good. And they were in that smaller margin and they did it. We celebrate that. Yeah. Like the uh, the spin article brought up Black Kids, which notoriously got a great review for their ep and then really bad for their album we got it yeah add that add that to the google doc one i'm biting my tongue two two, i'm kissing all you that sounds so good wow I was like lurking on a hot guy the other day on Instagram and I was like digging, this is embarrassing, I have to cut this, but I was digging far enough back into his his posts and he like used to tour with that band. He I don't know what he did, I don't know if he was merch or tour manager, but there's like a bunch of pics of him with like the the main singer of Black Kids and I was like, wow, why do you recognize that guy? Oh, that's right. So yeah, that's a great example though of like, of Pitchfork building up a band's first release and then being like, you know what? They didn't do it right here. <laughs> So, yeah, I think Vampire Weekend is essentially the blueprint for, like, navigating critical acclaim. And I feel like the day that Father of the Bride didn't get Best New Music, the world stopped turning for a minute. But uh, that's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes. All right. Katie, what you want to say? Oh, do you think that bands' images are talked about in the same way now that 
they were in 2008? I don't think so. I really don't think so. I think that, I think that the concept now of like indie rock artists having such a strong visual is so the norm that it's like, and we've seen so much of it, like so much different, um, you know, visual aesthetics from bands that I don't think so anymore. Um, I think it was more of like, it was more of a thing back then. It was like the music publications wanted to be fashion publications and now everything is just tags on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I feel like they have a brand and they've really stuck to it. Mm -hmm. Whereas like now when I'm like thinking of newer bands I listen to that are in the indie rock scene, I'm like, they don't really have like a specific image, you know? I think Normcore broke it all. Yeah, interesting. Now it's just clothes. Katie, <laughs> Katie Chow, would you say that you dress, uh, would you say that you dress more Vampire Weekend or more Normcore? Uh, definitely more Vampire Weekend. Um, <laughs> okay. I don't know, Normcore is just about like being like, white and conventionally hot and having nothing to prove that is an amazing synopsis yes queen well we're a fashion podcast now oh i am wearing the uh the jake Hall for rest and daughters t-shirt right now i'm gagged <laughs> wait did you show Can you i show? missed it yeah let's stand up let's see I so see. he uh ignore my work pajamas uh but yeah <laughs> yeah, so um, that video of Jake Gyllenhaal doing the handstand, he was wearing a uh, t-shirt for this restaurant here that was tie-dyed, and then they made a bunch of them. Katie Chow, you are so incredibly city life. I can't even deal. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know what image. I'm. I think Jake Gyllenhaal is so gorgeous. I don't even know what image you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, which is absurd because it's Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, and we stay Googling. Oh, yeah. Wait, uh, it's Jake just Gyllenhaal. like Google like Jake Gyllenhaal handstand. Okay, wow. Oh. This is an amazing way to end the pod. Oh, my God. This is going to kill me. He's... No. <laughs> this is... This is killing me. Oh, the hair, though. Mm. I don't like the long hair. Oh, I do not care. <laughs> this is killing me. He is too beautiful. <laughs> She's listener. She's crying. I, Katie Chow, I love that you own this shirt. Yeah. Oh God, I want that shirt. We're all gonna own it by the end of this app. Yeah, this is definitely like one of my weird quarantine purchases. Oh my God, you're perfect. Okay, let's move on to final verdict. So the way this works is I'm gonna count to three, and after three, we say it rocks or it sucks. Or it's fine, or it fucks, okay? Does everyone know what we're doing? We. Yeah. We, we. <laughs> okay, ready? One, two, three. It rocks. Yay, wow, we all agree. Uh, I know I opened the pod saying that this record was not my absolute fave, but it is just so good. And it really did kind of defy the odds of being an amazing debut that lived up to the hype. So I think it rocks. Yeah. Oh, did you ever watch uh, Neo Yokio? Yes. No. I did. Was that the Ezra anime? Yeah. Well, I guess it's mm -hmm. like fake anime. I don't know what the distinction He says it's like, it's a, uh, because he's like a huge fan of anime, he's like, it's, it's like heavily inspired anime, but not true anime. 
Okay, 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 okay. So it's animated. Yeah. <laughs> In the style of anime. I think, like, it's okay, the well. illustrators are from Korea, maybe. Interesting. It's, like, so, like, to be successful enough to kind of dip your toe into pools like that, I'm just, like, what does that feel like? You know, privilege. I, like... <laughs> I think it feels like success and privilege, but a lot of privilege. It smells yeah, a lot well, like Yeah, I guess the success also boosts the privilege to keep doing more stuff. Yeah, big agree. Wow. Well, this was so fun. Okay, so Katie Chow, any listeners of the pod, where can they find you online, Queen? I am on Twitter and Substack at Katie Chow, K-A-T-I-E-C-H-O-W. And I'm on Instagram as Michelle Quantro, which is Michelle with two L's, C-O-I-N-T-R-E-A-U. Which is a reference to what? Michelle Quan, the 90s figure skater. <laughs> Beautiful. Wow. Katie, thank you so much for being on the pod. This was so yeah. fun. I don't know why I gave you that whole list of albums I could potentially do when this was clearly the one. <laughs> Clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we go, before we go, I just want to ask, Katie, you sent me a picture. You sent the group chat a picture of Ezra's, is that his senior yearbook? Yes. Oh, my God. Can we just talk about what is going on with this? Is this, this is real? Uh, Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's real. It is so kooky, cuckoo bananas. What is it? I mean, my senior quote was definitely something really just, yeah. We do I don't even remember what mine was, but it was definitely like, there is a non-zero chance that my senior quote was, I got soul, but I'm not a soldier, so I can't really say anything here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be sure to give you a shout out when we do hot fuzz. That's amazing. You rule. That's amazing. I'm going to post this on the Instagram, his senior quote, because it's just, you. the listeners need to see it. Oh, my God. Hacking with my boys. Hacking with my boys with a Z. Jesus Christ. On that note, thanks for listening to It Rocks or It Sucks. Bye. Bye. It Rocks or It Sucks is produced and edited by Becca High and Carl Kuhn. It's mixed and mastered by Becca High. You can follow the pod on Instagram or Twitter at It Rocks or It Sucks. Thanks for listening and feel free to like, follow, rate, review, share, do whatever you want. Bye.